Welcome to the French Library Lounge. I'm your host, Vicky Walbarn, and I'm joining you from the French headquarters in Aarhus, Denmark. Here on the French Library Lounge, we have insightful conversations with library professionals from around the world, where they will share their thoughts on topics that are important and impactful to the library community. We hope you enjoy the episode, so let's get to it. Princh Library Lounge is brought to you by Princh, the preferred printing solution in Scandinavia. Princh is a user-friendly printing solution made for libraries with libraries. Check out Princh.com for more details. Hey everyone and thank you for joining us today for episode three of the Princh Library Lounge. I'm very excited to have Marie and David with us today who will be talking about building global networks for libraries. Um, Marie is the Library Director of Aarhus Public Libraries and David is the Director of the University of South Carolina's School of Library and Information Science. Um, But before we get going with um, the chat today I'd like to just throw it over to Marie and David to introduce themselves and to also explain their background a little bit further than what I have done Um, so Marie maybe if we could start off with you sure hi Vicky hi David Um, so thank you for inviting for this this is uh, particularly exciting to be talking about the, the the network and how libraries network because that's want to talk about background that's one of the things that I've been trying to uh, do for many years and that the always public libraries are um, very keen on doing um, so always public libraries are 19 libraries um, we have our main library which is dot one that opened in 19 uh, in 2019 2015 sorry uh, it opened in 2015 and we have 18 branches on top of that uh, so it's a, a for Danish circumstances a quite a large a library system uh, in, on an international level it's a quite small one um, but um, so Aarhus is the second biggest city in Denmark um, so we have around 300,000 people so those are the people that we serve um, so I have been with the library um, for many years more than I would like to think of <laughs> but uh, so actually since 2001 doing different things but one of the longest periods of time have been uh, being the project leader of building Doc one um, so when it opened in 2015 i switched from uh, the building project into the organization instead so um, it's been a long journey to to get to where we are right now but it's been a very exciting journey and that's been really relying on cooperation and network um, both uh, nationally and internationally so um, my background is actually, um, I just realized that this is my 20th year as a professor. So talk about. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, but I, I've uh, worked a lot in government libraries here in the United States, running information centers and working with um, national libraries and state libraries, uh, and then working, uh, doing research and consulting and speaking on uh, libraries, librarians, services and library education. Um, so those are those are sort of my background. And then uh, I came to know, obviously, I knew of uh, Marie work and, and the Doc Library. But then we have been working on a new project called Public Library 2030, um, which looks at EU library advocacy and education. Great. Well, thank you both so much um, again for joining um, us today. I'm excited to get going with the topic. And just with that in mind, then I'd just like to um, maybe just kick it off by and maybe asking you to explain why building a global network is so important for libraries. Um, 
I, the reason why I'm asking this really is because um, when I think of a library, I think about um, a library serving its community and it being uh, local. Um, so I'm just interested to kind of hear first, really, why you think it's important and, or, or what it really means. Maybe I'm misinterpreting it. Sure. One of the things that we find, one is one of the best thing about libraries are that we are not competing. So because we are each serving our own community and we're usually also getting each money from different places. So we're not even competing for money. Uh, so the, the, the benefit of having network is that we can actually build upon each other's ideas. And in our world, it's not about stealing ideas. It's about giving ideas. Um, so, so for us, having global networks are really an opportunity to uh, get easier access to knowledge and easier access to good ideas about how to serve the community better. And with the PL 2030 that uh, David mentioned, that is a European attempt uh, to create a stronger network with some of the lighthouse libraries that are uh, out there and to um, create easier access between us. Because sometimes it can be difficult if you're in your own small community and you don't really know where to turn to in order to get more inspiration or exchange ideas. So the global to have global networks are basically an opportunity, an opportunity for building better services for citizens. Right. Just building on that, I mean, the idea that we do serve local communities and we build local communities, whether those are communities of residency or communities where we work, communities where we learn. Um, but the goal is to bring the best ideas from everywhere else to serve that local community really well. So that's the need for it. And I think one of the things that that's changing and one of the discussions that Marie and I have been been part of with many people around the world is also how those ideas get distributed and shared has changed. And partly that's technological, but partly it's societal. Uh, it, it used to be that you would go to your uh, regional library network read association, and then that would feed into a national association, and then all the national associations would feed into an international association. And it was very hierarchical, right? So the idea is, you know, I would be in South Carolina, so I'd meet the South Carolina Library Association, and then we go to the American Library Association, and that would go to IFLA. And those ideas bouncing up and down in a very hierarchical way took time, and it turned into things like best practices, and it turned into trying to get consensus of literally the world around a good idea. And what we're seeing now, and I think we're really taking advantage of is, you know, when Marie has a brilliant idea in Denmark, that can instantaneously come to a very rural library in South Carolina and try it out. And so we're, we're looking not, you know, libraries have always been as, I should say librarians, have always been about connecting and networking together. What we're really trying to get our hands around is how do we make this faster, more efficient, more diverse, and really sort of peer-to-peer. -peer. I think that's the big difference that's going on now. I, I totally agree. And if I can build a little on that, um, I think one of the, the best things about this change in the way that we're learning from each other is that, in, in my opinion, libraries are not just, we're not organizations. We're not well with that too, but basically libraries are movement. And I think the way that we have begun to look at library and exchange of knowledge is that movement. And to have that um, network mindset behind the way that we learn from each other means that we can also now start to include our partners from our communities, our citizens into those exchanges of ideas. Whereas once we're in those formalized structures that uh, that has been going on before, that, that 
has become some sort of very close circuit that you could enter as a library, but all the rest of the world had to stay out. In this way, it, it's, it gives us a better opportunity to include other partners into the uh, equation. And I think that's something that libraries really benefit from. Yeah, no, definitely. I can definitely see why um, Yeah, sharing is caring. It's a phrase that I always like to say as well. Um, and definitely when your purpose is to serve the local community, then sharing information and tools and ideas across yeah global networks, I can see being... A really great step especially for libraries um i'm just thinking you know what would be the best way for someone to get involved in this then um david you mentioned very rural libraries maybe they just don't know where to start what what kind of advice would you give to them and that's a great question because part of the change and, and by the way um, from now on, I'm stealing Marie's idea of libraries movement. because That's brilliant. Uh, I made a note of that as yeah, well. <laughs> uh, but part of the idea of bringing people into a movement and, and how do we include people in rural settings and all these other settings it, is the idea of we're looking to transform librarians. A lot of the, the way that libraries have been built up, I mean, we're not going to go to the four millennia version, but even in the past hundred years has been very sort of industrial as all sort of industry and society and governments have been built up where we look at institutions first and then the people who work in them is sort of secondary. We're switching that around and that's that's what allows the partnership, right? Because whether you work in a library or don't work in a library or work in a different setting, you can be part of the network. And that means that what we're doing is we're, we're really talking about how do we push the movement forward? How do we transform and transform not just in the big cities or the well-funded libraries, but all across the world, different languages, different sectors, different economic conditions. And rather than looking at that as trying to change 60,000 libraries or 100,000 libraries, the question is, how do we take the person who's sitting in rural South Carolina or rural Thailand or urban uh, China and connect them with the good ideas? And, and that's where the real change happens. And so right now where that happens is things like social media. So we have, you know, Twitter and you have places on Facebook and you have um, different conferences where people, it's not the conference program necessarily. It's usually what happens in the bar or the restaurant near the conference uh, venue. And we're just trying to make that more obvious and more available to people. And so that's the discussion that's going on, whether it's in PL 2030 or whether it's what's happening in Denmark or whether it's what's happening in the United States, which is what does that need to look like? Does that, you know, is Facebook good enough or do we have issues with well, many issues? Uh, and so right now what it looks like is a bunch of informal personalities and technologies pulled together so that, you know, I meet Marie and then we're part of the network and then we bring in, you know, Eric and then we bring in Ilona and we bring in all these people. And so we create these informal networks. And the question is, how can we make that more accessible? And I don't think that's a solved issue. I think that's what we're trying to solve. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a good question of how, if you want to start from scratch, how do you actually do that? And I, I've been thinking about it over the years, and uh, I've been very fortunate to be, you'd say, brought up professionally in an organization that supported international and global network. Uh, but what I find is that it is becoming increasingly um, easy, as David mentioned, through social media, but also because it is possible to seek out it can be conferences, it can be meetings, it can be education, or it can be uh, gatherings in the city where you have more um, 
loose knitted um, social relationships where the conference is not just a conference, it's some, some place where you actually talk to each other or where you use different kind of methods to get people closer knitted together. So I think basically the there are a couple of steps in it. One is to actually be interested, be interested in what happens outside of your own library and outside of your own community uh, and go out there and try and seek out the many different types of opportunities. And you're bound to bump into places where you don't belong or where you don't feel that what you're looking for is what these guys are discussing. And then, but you still learn something mm -hmm. and then you figure out where to move on next. So I think that the idea of having one place where we go it's not what it's like. That's not how it is anymore. We have tons of different uh, gatherings and groups and networks that do different things. So it, it's it's becoming more and more a question of um, maybe uh, using some of the same methods that you do in your private life into your work life in terms of um, forming different networks that can do different things. Yeah, and, and you're seeing you know the the ease of connection. Um, the e moving to an online environment, the ability to reach out globally, I mean, literally globally within seconds, right? So we don't have to wait for, you know, October 2020 to get together. We can just email, text, hop on Skype, what have you. But the irony is that that capability that's making it easier for people to connect is also at the same time changing the nature of how people people interact. And so we're seeing, for example, in the professional development realm, right? So it it's, it's still a matter of I'm sitting in... Um, Perugia, and I want to learn about this new idea, this new concept, there are probably 50 webcasts out tomorrow about it, and I can listen to podcasts about it. And it's it's a matter of suddenly there's a huge amount of professional development of um, ways to learn about innovation, new services, things, and they cross borders easily. At the same time, it's harder and harder to get someone to guide you through that, to say, all right, but there's sort of a camp of an idea here, and there's sort of an idea over here. Uh, I mean, like I say, we, I'm walking away today with the idea of libraries movement. Um, I think the last conversation that Bree and I were part of, we talked about lighthouse um, libraries, and, and suddenly these ideas begin to hit fertile ground. And and so how do we combine this massive access to professional development, new ideas, um, you know, from YouTube to, to, to webinars to podcasts, with the idea of mentorship, with the idea of friendship, with the idea of bringing people in so that we can begin to have ideas really move quickly and, and, and share them and bounce them back and say, that works. Or, Ooh, I never thought about this. Or have you seen this one? And I think that's what right now is happening very informally. Um, and the question, you know, my research Marie's uh, research and work is trying to figure out how do we do that in an effective way um, rather than what's happening now, which is a huge amount of bubbles of experimentation, which is great, but how do we begin to, to connect those things um, so that people don't get overwhelmed? Yeah, no, for sure. And just one thing that springs to mind when you were speaking about all of that as far as that, I, I'd be really interested to hear of maybe um, a specific case, uh, maybe it's from your own um, experience or maybe you've heard of an experience um, from a colleague um, in another library where they have picked up learnings um, and they've been able to utilize it could you maybe give um, an example of where someone has successfully um, used the global network oh definitely I'll try and go first 
Um, well, because I, <laughs> I'm sitting in the middle of a very good example of that. Um, oh, perfect. Because, uh, yeah. So duck one was when we started um, discussing what what would end up as duck one. We knew at that time that we did not possess enough knowledge to actually create what we wanted to create, and we didn't even know what we wanted at that time. Well, we still don't. But <laughs> <laughs> but so what we did was say, how can we how can we actually get the, the combined knowledge of the great people that we know and also the people we don't know to contribute into developing this new library that we know needs to be something that we've never seen before. So one of, we did many different things and we started reaching out in many different ways. But one of the things that we created was what we call Next Library, which is a conference format. But it's really more of a festival or an on-conference or something in between. So we says, if we can create this um, interesting place um, once every second year where great people from all over the world will come and discuss library development then we get those guys to come to Aarhus and we benefit from it so we can pick all the great ideas and get new network to help us build what we want to build with this new library so that actually uh, started out as an idea of how do we, instead of us traveling all around the world all the time, how we, do we then get great people to Aarhus to share their ideas with us? Ended up as a conference format that we're doing now uh, every second year and where every time we're getting great people coming in and they have crazy, weird, wonderful, high-rising ideas that we never heard of. And we get the benefit of having a lot of staff being involved with all these great people from this year. It's going to be I think 38 different countries coming in um, and to have a format where we discuss and not just listen to one expert speaker, but where you actually interact. So for us, that's been a major part of developing dot one. And so we p actually put up a, 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 a big plate in the, in the library where we say thank you. We say thank you to the citizens who we, we spent tons of time involving in the process, but also to a lot of great professionals throughout the world who helped us develop the ideas that are now turning into this new main library in Aarhus. So that has been a very, very concrete example for us on how we can benefit directly from having these global networks. Yeah, and, and from a sort of global perspective, um, there, I, I, and it might be my little bubble, but you know, the work that Marie does, the work that, that's going on uh, across the European Union, there's a big shift right now in libraries and how we think about librarianship. And, and that big shift, you know, you mentioned the idea of we think of it as serving a community. That's actually a relatively new concept of what a library is because it used to be an institution that collects and provides access to for a community versus it is truly building the community. Now that's not universal and across the place, but that's a big mind shift. It, it's the idea that, you know, for example, when we're talking about global networks, it's easy and it's almost natural for us to talk about networks of libraries and institutions and things of that nature. And increasingly, we're talking about the role and power and steps of librarians, individual librarians, where they may be doing really innovative stuff in a very non-innovative library, but now they can connect and those ideas can be, can be moving. That concept change from library as place, library as access mechanism, library as collection, um, with reference services and the building as a place where librarians do their work to the idea of librarians facilitating community connections where the knowledge sits within the communities, where the community's the collection. 
um, where, you know, and that gets expressed in lots of different ways. So the library is the living room of the community or the idea of even getting out of the building where the building is for the community and the librarians leave it often to go work elsewhere. Um, that big shift, which I would say is a shift that's, that's happened over the past, uh, Marie, you may correct me, but I mean, globally, I think we're talking about 10 to 15 year shift. Yeah. Um, that happened because people could connect and people could begin getting these ideas and as people would develop them. So academics like me would write little books or we would go and do studies in some of these innovative libraries, like what's happening in the doc and what's happening, um, you know, all over the world. And we could document it also then was complemented with the conversations, right? So it wasn't just waiting for the paper to show up to read it and go, let's try that. It was, Hey, that's a good idea. Let's talk to, let's connect to. And so even the, the you know, I, I wrote a book, um, talking about some of this and it's now available in Portuguese and French and um, it's coming out in Spanish and it happened not because the publisher, because they're, you know, it was a self-published book. It came because librarians were like, those are interesting ideas. I'd like to share them. Is it okay if I translate them? And the answer is sure. Give it a try. And then we can talk about, you know, what some of the, in German, I get German. Uh, and, and the idea of, we can talk about, well, what did you mean by this concept? I see it in English, but what would be the equivalent in this term? That kind of revolution in thinking about librarianship as librarians stewarding community resources to facilitate a community uh, as a collection, as a knowledge, as making that community better, that is only available because we are talking globally. Because what happens in upstate New York and what happens in the second largest city in Denmark and what happens in Australia and what happens in the UK and Manchester, suddenly those ideas not only are quickly shareable, but the people who help develop the ideas are, are getting together and they're playing off of each other. And it's, you know, I'm not a musician, but I still love that idea of getting together with jam sessions and going, oh, but what about this? And oh, what if we try that? And what's really great is, you know, I can go run the study and, you know, Marie can try it next Tuesday and we can, and, and that quick, rapid evolution of ideas and transformation in a profession is made available because we now have this peer-to-peer person-to-person, relationship-to-relationship concept of the field and not as institutions coming up with best practices that have to be endorsed at 12 different levels that then get disseminated down. Yeah, and I think that and that's really how you, where you see that libraries are really also about relations. Libraries are relations. And I think one of the things that we are, we are trying uh, in PL2030, which is David and I and a lot of great libraries around Europe, is to figure out a way, and we're still figuring out how we can create and, and, and help create a, a great network that will support each other. And at the same time, how does that bounce uh, towards the European Union? How do we actually affect and advocate libraries in the more um, hierarchical structures? And I think that's, a, that's an interesting um, mix, and it's also a difficult one, but it's one of the things that we where we try to, to stand on two feet, where one is the, um, the network and the support of each other and, and the, the movement that we want to create. And the other one is then how does that movement then affect the, 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 the legacies, the policies, the, the, the stuff that's going on in the European Union. And that is an interesting mix. And, and, and we're, we're, we're testing and we're discussing and we're figuring out how to do it. Unfortunately, there are a lot of great uh, library people around the world who are uh, 
helping out and, and carrying together on this because this is this is not something that, that has been done in, to, in that kind of way before. And I think it's something that where we have an even bigger need to have these relations globally in order to learn how does other people do it, how what has been successful, or can we learn from other organizations outside of libraries in order to actually do this? And, and I think this is where, you know, picking up Marie's point about building a, a network of people, and those people are librarians and, and what have you, what we're seeing with PL 2030, which grew off of PL 2020, which is traditional library advocacy is the librarians get together and they figure out their needs and they go and sort of pitch it and try and get resources, try and get changes. And what we see now is the idea of, no, 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 the, the, the parliamentary member is part of the network as well. The, the local businesses, the local parents, the local children that are, that are receiving the services are part of the network. And so they're advocating for themselves and bringing in the diverse views so that you know, we really are talking about, I'm going to, once again, my new favorite phrase, the library's movement. <laughs> that movement can't just be librarians moving themselves. It really does need to be um, the community saying, this is what we need now. You know, we need makerspaces or we need 24-7 access or we need uh, a place to go that's not home or work or we need et cetera. And that we is an important word because it's not librarians running a library for a community. It is a community coming together and, and building this function that may have a physical space. It may have a virtual space. It certainly has a people um, aspect to it and they're all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just um, picking up a lot about, um, about PL 2030 and I'm just wondering um, if I was, um, a librarian uh, in Europe, how would I be able to jump on board and get involved in that? Right. So the first thing would be to reach out um, either to one of the libraries already involved or to uh, appeal 2030 people, um, Ilona Kirsch and Hannah Tomine, who are sitting uh, in the, at the very heart of Appeal 2030 and doing a great job. Um, and so what we're doing right now is that we're trying to create different ways of being involved and different ways of creating these groups of interested people. And, uh, and one of the things that we, um, that we are trying to do is to uh, build um, a pool of interested parties who can then easier, get easier access to each other. So the first thing is actually to reach out and also to share what, what are the interests that you have, but also what is it that you might um, contribute with or what are the areas that you would like to do cooperation with someone. And even if you do not, if as, as a library, you don't have an interest in being part of some, um, some sort of uh, network or anything, you're just curious, then what we all pledge, the, the people of us who are already involved, is that we want to be helpers. We want to be the connectors, the, the people who try to help others create relations. So, so it's a way also of, of gaining access to a great bunch of libraries across Europe who somebody knows someone and as David started to say in the beginning said a lot of it is informal but sometimes that's where the best network and the best cooperation come from is someone who knows someone who's willing to connect you with someone who they think you might be great with um, and so that could also just be a starting point if you want to just start in the small but just get more knowledge of what goes on in, in the other libraries. And then the idea is not to supplant or replace long-standing 
cooperative networks such as library associations or regional networks, but the idea is to work within them as well as, as you know, across them as, as it were. So, you know, it might be putting you in touch with, you know, connecting the network and then you guys meet at the library association and as ideas get shared and, and moved around, we begin to, to talk. So it's very formative. I mean, uh, we'll be right honest that, that I think a lot of times in libraries, uh, and librarianship, we, we like to have the 20 page manual with the complete policy dossier and that has been voted on by every potential person before we begin presenting it. And I think that the days of, of preparing for innovation are kind of gone. The idea is that we've got to try it, we've got to connect it, and, we, and we've got to evolve quickly uh, together. And so the answer is right now, reach out to PL2030 and the individuals, myself or Marie, what have you, we'll, we'll begin the conversation. But part of, the, part of what we're going to ask back is, so what do you need? And how can we do this better? And let's try and evolve as we move forward. And I think one of our one of our good colleagues, Anna Winters, said that this is basically um, trying to build some something upon a coalition of the willing. So the point is that that we all have we are all willing, and we're right now trying to figure out how can we use this uh, great vibe that we are having in order to create stronger uh, network and stronger libraries. And that so it's it can also be an opportunity to be part of someone who also wants to do something. And maybe you hook up with someone who can, who wants the same thing as you, or you get new ideas. The worst thing that can happen is that you uh, learn something and then you move on. Or you find out that there is some someone in here that you want to um, play with, which is part of the what's the great thing about it. And we shouldn't underestimate. I mean, I just want to say this because it sounds, very, as David said, it's very formative right now. So we're still juggling a lot of different ideas around. but. I just want to stress that when we're working on global networks, you should never underestimate the uh, the, the personal relations that are important. That if if you hit it off well with someone, or you feel that these these guys have some of the same ideas that I've been juggling with for a while, and let's try and figure it out together. When you have that nerve, that's when you build great partnerships, and that's when you great build great net great networks, and they can exist anywhere. So it's a it's really a question about coming with that willingness. It's not a PL twenty thirty is not like you can come and ask for money or support to do uh, um, to uh, to create uh, projects through funding, etc. Is a place where you come if you want to do something, and then perhaps someone there who wants to do some of the same things with you. Well, and, and just once again, the, the power of play here is is not bad. Which is come and do something, try something. One of the things I've learned over that twenty year professorship thing, God, I'm old, um, <laughs> is, is the power of, of a person who thinks that they're insane and alone and crazy suddenly finding someone else just like them and going, oh, thank God. Uh, the, this idea that, you know, no, you're, you, you may be in an organization where, once again, it's that 20-page document and you have to think it through for a 12-year plan, et cetera. And you say, but I just want to do something. And suddenly you find someone across the continent, someone across the world who says, eh, it'd be fun, let's try this. And and that's the kind of innovation that needs to occur. I, I, the thing that, that drives me absolutely insane is when, because uh, I spend a lot of time in libraries that are truly pushing the edge and changing how, how the world works. And I spend some time in libraries that are very willing to document the world as it was. And 
the thing that drives me crazy is, is libraries go, all right, we're going to create an innovation committee and we will meet every third Sunday and we will have innovative ideas that will then go through this 12-point process. And the answer is no. The answer is when you're sitting and serving and working with a community member and you hear a good idea to be able to say, hey, I heard this great idea. What does it seem like to you? I, I, one of the things I tell my students is you need a crazy ideas list. And the list is not of the crazy ideas. The list is of people that you share your crazy ideas with because you would be amazed. Uh, and one of the things I really love about the network as it's developing in PL2030 specifically, but you've got everyone from the librarian who just got their degree and is starting today up to the directors of some of the largest libraries in Europe, and you can connect them together. And so that people say, you know, I've the, the great perspective of someone new to the field is they're new to the field. They can look at something and go, why? Why are we doing this? Or how could we try this? Or that new perspective is invaluable. But it's often invested in people with the least accesses to resources or power or experience. And if you can connect those two people together to say, oh, that sounds great. Let's try it. Let's let's do it. Or do you need me to back you up? Do you need me to you know say that's a great idea with whomever? And that's power that only comes from librarians and partners, MPs, business people, concerned citizens, what have it, working together um, that you don't get sort of in the hierarchical institutional structure. And so the power of play, the power of being able to create these crazy idealists with um, crazy idealists uh, <laughs> like us uh, and people with resources. That's really what excites me. And, and I know it sounds nebulous, but when you're doing it and when you're connecting and when you're having the conversation, you suddenly say how natural it is um, and how powerful it is. Well put. Yes, I agree. I love that. <laughs> and um, I'm, I wish that we could speak about this all day because I'm very inspired. I've written down a ton of notes. Um, Marie, I think that it's no secret that you've inspired us with libraries are a movement. <laughs> um, but also, David, I've noted down that libraries are the living room of the community. I love that phrase as well. So thank you both um, so much for the great discussion today. Um, but if anyone has any questions or they wanted to reach out, is there anywhere that they could do that to um, follow up? Uh, from today's discussion of course um, people you're always welcome to uh, write me it's probably easier to write than try and phone me so um, my email is on our website uh, and I don't know if you put it out there but you can if, if that's a possibility yeah that's great I, we're always always happy to answer questions I just want to say I what I take away is the power of play that's one of the things that we try to embrace in Aarhus and I just I love when David says it and I just really support that and let me be clear, all I do is steal good ideas and share them. So, you know, uh, the power of play actually comes from a former student who was working in, in a library and she felt like there's power to play. And she went out and created her own organization called Power to Play and uh, within the community. And it's it's amazing. And the, the living room of the community is an idea that, that I first heard about um, actually in some Swiss libraries. So that's wow. how things get shared. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, can I just say, David, the, the, about the play, we had uh, three weeks ago or something, we had, here in Aarhus, we have uh, this great organization uh, called Counterplay. And they, they actually have every uh, second year an international festival about play. And we host them here in the library. So for a whole week, we had people playing all over the library. 
doing different things from all over the world. So we really see the force of play. <laughs> and in terms of contacts, you can contact me, but I also want to um, say that we've been talking about Public Libraries 2030, which is at publiclibraries2030.eu. So that's also a place you can go to learn about it. That's great. Well, thank you both so much again. I'm walking away today very inspired and I'm sure that our listeners will feel the same. So thank you both, uh, Marie and David. Thank you. Thank you very much. for listening to the Prince Library Lounge. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and spread the word to other library professionals. If you want to learn more about today's episode, check out the Prince Library Lounge website at prince.com slash podcast. We will be back next month with the next episode and until then, happy librarian! Mm-hmm.